y'all. Thanks for listening to Tuned In for Justice and Joy, a podcast dedicated to making resistance irresistible by tuning into our mental health, faith, relationships, and always music. I'm your host, Lysandra Janae, storyteller, music curator, and creative activist Bay. Let's get into this episode. Quarter four, bing, 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 last stretch of 2022. Most of us are probably reflecting back on goals we set towards the end of 2021. I know I am. Um, I actually have this document from my former business coach, Marlena Banks, that breaks down my goals um, by like aspirational lifetime, like the things I want to do over the course of my life, and then my three year goals my one-year goal, and then those one-year goals for 2022 were broken down quarterly. And I noticed the way my list started off for quarter one, y'all doing the most, the mostest. Um, However, my list did get shorter with each quarter that passed, which was probably a sign of me committing to my word for the year, which was tenderness. I can say, though, that I technically reached my goals for this year. The main two I had was to quit my nine to five at the time or find a higher paying job, which I did the latter. Um, And I also wanted to get my passport because I hadn't had that. Don't come for me if you're part of the Catching Flights Not Feelings crew, aka the LLC Twitter crew. Like having a passport is a privilege if you have yours. Don't come for me because I'm 32 and just got mine. I'm happy to be part of the club, but we're not going to do, you know, the elitism stuff here. So anywho, got a higher paying job and got my password, which were like the main um, big things. And another kind of goal that I've had that I didn't quite get. um, And I think there's still like this pressure of doing more and you know, challenging myself not to see the things that have been, you know, unmet, the the goals that are unmet, um, is getting a literary agent, you know, as a writer, most writers want to be published, want to do, um, some of us want to write books and I've been working on books for a really long time. And so I'm still waiting on that part. Um, hopefully getting incredibly close, but yeah, there's still this pressure of doing more, growing your brand, growing a business, being successful, especially if you're like the the shining star, I guess, possibly of your family, um, where people look at you like, oh, Sandra's doing the thing. She's in New York. And I'm like, child, I'm paying these New York rents. It's a lot out here. Um, you know, there's this fallacy of the hustle and grind culture, wondering if we're enough. I know I wonder these things. Like I've passed the age where I can be on the 30 under 30 list and I'm trying not to put pressure on myself to be a part of that 40 under 40 list. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a list out there dedicated to child and teen prodigies. Somebody's 18 under 18. There's probably a 10 under 10, honestly. Like there's a lot of pressure and it's not good for our mental health. It's not good for our physical health when, you know, we're constantly on the go and not allowing our bodies to rest or constantly comparing ourselves to people online who we've never met, whose highlights, you know, we only see their highlights online. We don't see um, the process. We don't see how long it may have taken them to even achieve such goals. Or we also compare ourselves even to the people that we do know 
who have completely different destinies, completely different lives than we do. Earlier this year, I um, came across this article. It was so incredible. My um, One of my colleagues shared it in our like Black Girl Magic Slack channel. It was from uh, Refinery29 on why Black women are divesting from excellence and embracing mediocrity by Kathleen newman Bermang. Child, we had such a kiki time about that. Such a time. Like it's she had the quote in 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 the article that it's not about whether we can be excellent, but about whether we should and at what cost. And I know this too well. I've been in positions in work positions where I've, you know, overworked, tried to be like the overachiever. And it's literally led to like high blood pressure and hypertension. Um which maybe I'll talk about on a different podcast that I haven't like really shared with people. I didn't even share that with the people um, I was working with at the time. I just conveniently um, started looking for jobs elsewhere and moved to a different city. Um, I feel like Cranes in the Sky by Salon should be, you know, playing in the background, like just tried to change my surroundings. Um, when in actuality, I needed to also not just change my surroundings, I did need to leave that organization. Very toxic. But um, I also needed to recognize like there's this pressure of just like being excellent all the time. And um, yeah, I, I did need that that article to like embrace my own type of mediocrity. I think midway through my year, I started thinking about this more as I like readjusted my goals and tried to opt in for less and opt in for more joy, really. I would only add things to my list if the root motivation for it was joy um, instead of being motivated by profit. So I've been unlearning a lot of perfectionism, um, working on that with my therapist, been learning, like unlearning a lot of perfectionism. And so much of it also stems from like my family upbringing. My dad was in the army. He was the son of a reverend who also spent time in the army. So like very strict, very like excellence oriented. I remember in middle school, like my dad once told my brother, that he was going to change his last name to Smith if he came home with an F because he wouldn't deserve the Campbell last name. Like, super intense. Um, Actually, it might have been like a D, not even an F, which, I mean, D's get degrees, so I don't know. And then also, um, which I've talked about a bit, like growing up in evangelical Christian churches, you know, like there is this idea in some faith communities of like, grace, or at least with Christian communities, there's the idea of grace. But in reality, a lot of times our spaces are filled with rules. They're filled with like the right way of doing things, the wrong way of doing things. They're filled with shame. And there's such a fear in that of just like getting it wrong. And so we try to perform. We try to do better. We try to do all these things and like overcompensate um, for whatever may come out, whether it's being wrong and just, I don't know, honestly being wrong or um, even being mediocre, like it's fine. And so earlier this week, I was listening to the latest episode. Um, I'm trying to ease myself back into listening to other podcasts. I used to listen to them more when I didn't work from home and would commute, but not that I'm trying to go back to an office. I'm definitely not. Um, But 
listening to this episode from the Atlantic podcast called How to Build a Happy Life. And they had an episode this week called Subtraction as a Solution. And one question they posed that really stood out to me was that kind of like set the foundation for the conversation was what's a pre-pandemic norm that you don't miss? And I'm like thinking about that as a lot of us are like easing back into things. You know, a lot more people are going back to work in person. Um, I definitely don't miss being at an office, especially during flu season, because, you know, folks don't know how to stay home when they have a little itch in the back of their throat. Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like your work is never that important. It's not. And we need to undo the culture of that even. Right. Like I remember the beginnings of COVID when we're like, hey, there were these sad meetings that were like, hey, if you feel a little itch, feel free to stay home. And I remember opting out myself because I didn't trust my colleagues many of whom were attorneys and overachievers, I did not trust them to stay home because there's this pressure and this false sense of urgency of like, I have to get this work done. And you literally do not. Um, Your name is not Meredith Gray. You know, we're not surgeons. And even if you were a surgeon, you feel a little cough, of course, stay home because then you're going to be coughing over like, you know, an open body. But I digress. I don't miss the busyness either. Um, that I don't miss the hustle of like, oh, we got to get this thing done. The urgency, although I feel like a lot of that is returned, and I even equate that when I'm thinking about like black girl magic or black excellence versus you know embracing mediocrity. I don't want to go back to this busyness and this like having to present myself in this um, very curated way of like having all my all my ish together. Like we, we don't sometimes, and that's totally fine. I also don't miss forced interactions and networking. Like I do not want to go back to seeing people in the little kitchenette on Mondays and folks who, you know, are my work friends, you know, but not my real friends. And they're just asking about my weekend. And I'm like, I don't want to do this small talk with you, Sally, like at all. I just want to get my coffee and go back to my desk. Really, I would like to go home and do this work at home. But since I can't do that, I'm just here for coffee and I'm going back to my desk because, no, we're not doing this. Hey, the small talk, don't miss it. Um, another thing I don't want to go back to is um, going back into the habit of like performing and trying to achieve any kind of success that isn't rooted in joy and isn't benefiting my physical and mental health. I feel like so many times we just do things because it's expected of us. And not that like every single, I'm not trying to, I'm still a millennial. There's a little bit of realism in me, but also idealism in me. I'm not on, you know, shout out to corporate Bay Gen Z dude. Who's just like, if I don't like it, I'm not doing it. Like I get that there are tasks on my plate that I'm not utterly going to enjoy, but also they don't impact my physical or mental health per se. It's just not super enjoyable. And it doesn't take up the bulk of my work day. So There's an email I'm going to have to return that I don't feel like returning, but I know that isn't detrimental to my mental health. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is bringing on projects, staying in environments, um, and just doing just for the sake of doing because we're chasing after some sort of high, some sort of prestige, and not actually chasing after what is like grounding us and what is going to ground the communities that we're a part of. And this in turn for me has meant saying no to a lot of projects. It's meant saying no to a lot of people. Like I've noticed I'm 
even more choosy about the people that I want in my circle and the connections that I have. Um, even in terms of just like friendships, I'm like, um, this isn't working for me, which is also why I'm very, um, I, I mean, this I've seen this more so in how I choose or choose not to be friends with the people that I work with. Because once upon a time, I would kiki with any and everybody. Um, and then I lowered that circle to only like kikiing selectively with Black women at the organization. And it's improved my mental health significantly. And I, I just can't imagine anything else. Um, and so I'm very particular about like everybody I work with isn't my friend. And I'm totally okay with that. If we never become friends, we can still respect each other and show up in ways um, that are meaningful without being like super in, in into each other's lives. Like that doesn't build morale for me personally. Um, and also it's meant saying no to a lot of opportunities and just being realistic about my capacity, whether it's in my professional capacity or even personally with sometimes with it when it's with friends and they're like, hey, like, do, do let's get grab brunch before we go to this event. And I'm like, nah, I got to tell myself I got food at the house, you know, because if I don't, then I'm going to be spending this extra money. And then I'm going to come back to my budget and be feeling away or checking my bank account and having a lot of anxiety. And that is not going to be good for my mental health. And then I'm like pinching pennies to be like, ooh, snap, can I actually pay my therapist this month? So, you know, it's just, it's just going to be a hot mess. So saying no. It's been a game changer. Um, no to more stuff in my home, more to more, um, no to more people just for the sake of knowing people and having people around me and more yes to just being intentional about like, how is this, these interactions, how are these projects manifesting in my physical and mental health? So I'm also trying to embrace flaws. Clearly, I'm embracing quirks and mediocrity. It is a balance, though. Like, I'm learning to cultivate wanting less for myself in certain areas. Um, and also recognizing, again, like, practicing discipline is very necessary in many cases. Like, we're still going to have tasks and things that we don't want to do, i.e., living in a capitalist society and playing, paying bills. Like it's so ghetto. Why do we pay bills? You know, but practicing discipline for me looks like setting that stuff up on auto pay. So I don't even have to think about it. Um, but we also need balance. And I think it is, is really pivotal, especially as black women to become okay with letting some things be regular. We don't need to it, it, like not black girl magic, not black exceptionalism, just regular. Like I want black folks Black women, especially, to have the space and permission and the joyfulness to be regular, mediocre, and just live with low blood pressure. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot, especially in terms of writing again and like looking for a literate agent and um, some of the goals I had this year. Like I received several rejection letters this year from fellowships and grants that I was um, applying to. It's okay. We're going to apply to them hoes again next year. Y'all will see my name in the application list. Um, I'm actively like pitching queries to literary agents and hearing back from some that are like, you know, this isn't a good fit for me, or I'm not really taking on books with this topic or, um, or, you know, the topic isn't resonating with them. I've also been working on a comedy television script, which is 
um, writing for TV film is a very new form of writing for me. And I'm learning a lot. I'm like looking at what I wrote, say in like January and now, you know, it's November and I'm like, Ooh, let's change this line. So we're growing, you know? And while I'm looking forward to the day when I get just one yes from somebody, whether someone accepting me to a fellowship, someone giving me a grant, someone, um, a literary agent being like, yes, I want to represent you and get this book out. The process to get there is also like, it's not for the faint of heart. And that's why I also feel like it's important even through this podcast and through my writing, through, um, the newsletter to share that share the process. A lot of times we are comparing ourselves to people on the internet because we're seeing the highlights. And I'm like, nah, I want to let you know, like people are telling me no. And also there are people um, in my circle. I'm so grateful for like the writing communities that I have where I can go to people and say like, yep, just got another rejection letter. And you know, like somebody else can say they did too. And like, we can just, we can lament together and find ways to like, continue working on our work and, and, and finding the joy in it too. I think that's a beautiful thing is like being a part of writing communities where people want, like they find joy. We all find joy in creating and not just in the thrill of trying to chase publication or trying to chase prestige. Although the book that I'm writing is New York Times bestseller quality, just putting that out there, like truly, I want that for me. We're going to throw that out there. That prayer just went up. And we're going to see that blessing come down. Yes and amen. But um, each rejection letter, each rejection letter brings constructive feedback. A lot of times um, with each rejection, there's also just this choice to be vulnerable, to be seen and allow others to respond to what I've actually created. And most importantly, again, like I'm genuinely having fun and genuinely like cultivating joy while I'm creating. And so that's all that matters. I don't know if my script, my poems, my essays, my book are going to get put, picked up and published. I'd hope so. Um, but yeah, I, I know that I'm enjoying a lot of the process and that I'm growing as a writer, as a creative, um, and just generally as a person, because a lot of the stuff I write is more personal essay, uh, reflective of like my family, reflective of the professional spaces I found my in, myself in and the spiritual spaces I found myself in. And so I'm enjoying also, you know, coming up with scripts for this podcast and learning what's working, what isn't, how, how long is too long? Do y'all actually want to hear me talk? Like, you know, I'm learning so much about it. And so there's that. I enjoy the days when the ideas are flowing. And also I enjoy the days when I don't feel like walking or, you know, I don't feel like writing and I just want to take a walk through in the park, you know, or I just want to play piano. I want to read. I want to engage with other people's creativity so that I can also be inspired. I want to go to a concert and listen to music. I want to go to the ballet and just spend time with loved ones um, sometimes there are days when that sounds much better than having a pen in my hand. So a question to the listeners out there, what does your black girl mediocrity look like? I want to know what does black girl mediocrity look like for you? Um, I am taking a break this month from Instagram, but if you DM me, at Lissandra Janae on IG, I promise I'll check your responses when I return in December. Not me sounding like a voicemail over a podcast episode. As always, thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, share with your people, rate, and review so the algorithms know that this podcast exists. 
please, please share with your people. Tell them to also rate and review and engage with it so the the algorithms can pick up. Um, every article I mentioned and podcast I mentioned, like I'll include links along with the playlist featuring music that inspired this episode, which will be Woman, Black, and Carefree. It's a throwback playlist I've had going and continue to add. Um, and maybe that too, share me, share with me what Black Girl Mediocrity is looking like for you and also what Black Girl Mediocrity looks like or sounds like through song. Share that with me too. You know I love good music recommendations. Um, this episode was written, recorded, and edited by me, your host, Lysandra Janae, in the comfort of my little Harlem apartment. Um, music is by Taylor Famous. Until next time, be well. <laughs>